scoundrels, and welcome to Hacked in the Dark, a podcast where we discuss and highlight games forged in the dark. My name is Mark Cleveland, your host for today's episode. For those of you unfamiliar, Forged in the Dark is an open-source tabletop RPG engine based off of Blades in the Dark by John Harper, which you can find out more about at bladesinthedark.com or on the Blades in the Dark Discord server. Check out the info below for more details. And a reminder, if you're enjoying this content, smash that subscribe or like button. Your interaction helps our visibility immensely. I am joined today by Jacob, a fellow member of the podcast team. Hey, everyone. And our special guest today is Justin Ford. Hey, Jacob. Hey, Mark. I'm Justin, also known as Dissonance at Mothlands on Twitter, uh, and I'm a... Forge in the Dark designer. Yeah, actually, we all are. We're looking to uh, have a designer's look at these various aspects of Forge in the Dark games and to highlight some of the interesting parts of that and talk about where our ideas have come from. Maybe you could start with talking about where you got hooked on uh, Forge in the Dark. I'd be happy to. The Discord community has been really good to me. I'm really happy that we could get some people together from that community to, to start these discussions. And as far as where I started, I got uh, interested in Blades in the Dark. Oh, goodness. Probably actually a, a year or two after the Kickstarter happened. So the game, the game was actually just coming out. And I got into it uh, when it was, was still in beta, but as it was being ready to be distributed and everything, I was, I was involved at that time in a local story game meetup. So we would get in, go in person to play all kinds of GMless games. And that had really like diversified my uh, interest in, in role-playing games in general and really gotten me interested in, in designing my own. So when I heard about Blades in the Dark and I, I started listening to actual plays for the, really the first time on YouTube and Twitch, it really inspired me to want, not only want to play Blades in the Dark, but also to like immediately do my own custom setting and everything which eventually became uh mothlight my my current forge in the dark project wow so it really struck you like lightning it seems like yeah i think that happened to a lot of yeah us. i think that's a common experience for people that noticed blades in the dark as a game in general i've noticed that the resultant reaction has been uh, inspiring and quite sudden it seems so there's a quite a few of us that are dabbling in this space but We've decided, you know, this network needs to support that way, you know, way more than it's been able to have been supported in the past. Yeah, and we need to tell people that we're all here and have this supporting community. Plenty of people have ideas, but not everyone knows that there's this growing community of people helping each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what I've noticed, too, is that there are people that are coming out of the woodwork, so to speak, as we've been doing this. So we're definitely interested in meeting you and having you come over to the Discord community and say hello. Uh, any of you who are hiding out, making your secret, super secret special games, because um, maybe we'll feature you here. Yeah. I'm happy to hear that it's a, it's a common experience. Uh, I know that for me, part of the reason I wanted, I immediately got into hacking Blades in the Dark, almost even before I had played the game, <laughs> to be honest, is, is just because for me, that's just how I've always kind of internalized games. Is by is by fiddling with them and kind kind of trying to make them my own. Like a lot of people, you know, started with D and D. Homebrew content is really just another form of hacking. And I think a lot of folks have that experience of creating their own home rules immediately to help them like get a feel for the game. 
So one of the first things we wanted to talk about before we get into all of the variety of hacks people are working on is hacking within the game of Blades. And that's part of why we brought you, Justin, on, because you have a popular playbook hack, The Sleuth. Yeah, great, great playbook hack here. It was, seems like it's like, where, why was this not already done? Uh, that's kind of why I made it, <laughs> is that same exact question. I mean, I understand why in a game of criminals, you might want, not want to have a, a playbook that kind of toes the line between criminality and it, the investigators are, are a faction in Blades in the Dark that are essentially detectives, but they work for the state. And there's a lot of tropes in crime fiction about the the private eye who works for themselves or maybe even kind of toes the line between criminality and lawfulness. And that's kind of what I wanted to play with with this. Yeah, what I thought was really interesting is how you took liberties as well with the trope, the private eye trope. For obviously, we're thinking something along the lines of Sherlock. Then when mm -hmm. you take a look at the gear list. Some of those things just seem to come right to the surface. But then you take some very strong liberties with the trope that's very interesting with some of these abilities as you get past the first one even, like Backstabber, for example. So what's your favorite ability for the sleuth then? Uh, for me? Yeah. Uh, what is it, Mark? Yeah, for <laughs> me, I think, it's, I think it's actually the ghost sense ability. Uh, ghost sense, uh, one of your senses is deeply connected to the ghost echo allowing you to flashback to events you did not personally witness. This is psychometry. This, I love this. Yeah, you, you mentioned inspirations. And for a playbook like this, a lot of the inspirations are incredibly obvious. But I also wanted to add some inspirations that were more in line with Blades, like weird elements. They're fantastic. Mm. It's a fantastical elements. And I actually wrote down a list of inspirations before we started. And what I was surprised to discover myself was Along with Sherlock Holmes and Columbo and Luther and those kinds of influences, we also have uh, Psychonauts, mm. uh, oh, yes. the video game. I don't know if you're familiar. I am. Yes. I'm also a big fan of indie comics and the comic Chew about a cybopath who can see into the past by tasting things is also a big influence for this playbook. Yeah, I can see that. I'm sure you liked the Psychonaut friend that's on one of the other playbooks then. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. I did. And in fact, seeing that that was a thing in the world was, was part of why I was like, why isn't there a playbook that hits on those kinds of tropes a little bit more? That was your inspiration for making it. Just It felt like it needed to be there and you had ideas for it. So how did you go about it? Where did you start? If I'm being honest, a, a large part of designing this playbook was actually designing others. Mothlight is a game that I'm designing right now. I've been designing it for a couple years, but it's not the only hack I've taken my hand at in the Forge in the Dark space. And with the experience of designing, you know, upwards of a dozen different playbooks for each of those hacks, I had a lot of material that seemed to fit into the space. And I realized that there was there aren't a lot of like really slick custom playbooks out there for Blades itself, like there are for mm -hmm. a lot of other popular games like like Dungeon World, Monster Hearts, that kind of a thing. And that was another reason why I wanted to design this playbook was to kind of add to that space. There are a few out there. There's there's a slew of Eruvian playbooks that really inspired me for this one as well that are also similarly like really fit the tone of that place. But I wanted one that was 
very specific to Duskfall so that people can play with that in their in their home games. Yeah, and that's a sweet addition to uh, broaden that space a little bit. The Iruvian playbooks were nice, but you're right. They're very specific in a way. Um, and these this can fit right in slot right next to the existing books in a nice way. Yeah, I, I will say that there's a lot more technical stuff that also went into designing it. For one, one of the reasons I think this playbook was received well is because I straight up cribbed John's format and look. I think that that was an important aspect of the Aruvian playbooks, and I kind of noticed that and wanted to also kind of copy him. So this also was an experiment. I've been learning publishing over the last year, and this was me kind of seeing if I could reproduce John's look. In some ways, there are even assets here that I honestly just took straight off the page of the PDF playbooks. And you can probably notice that. I think it looks, unless you're like looking really closely, it pretty much is identical to what you'll see in the book as far as format, maybe with a few liberties as far as like the explainers and stuff. That and also trying to nail the feel of the playbooks in the standard book are were also kind of like my main goals as far as like designing this. Yeah, I noticed you made a point to uh, include a ghost ability which uh, seems to be a design uh, basic, you know, for each playbook, they need one. Yeah, I've actually noted several different staples for each of the Blades playbooks. Now, this doesn't include the ghost and the, va and the vampire and those other special playbooks, but, uh -huh. you know, every playbook in the standard book, and in many of the hacks as well, I've noticed, um, the more official hacks like Scum and Villainy have this, have, uh, they have a push ability, that activates, that gives you multiple choices whenever you push yourself to do something extra. They, they have special armor abilities that give you something when you spend a point of special armor. They have a ghost ability, like you mentioned. And then I think there's also like another kind of magical thing that I've noticed. This may or may not be true. Maybe you can uh, tell me whether you've noticed this. But there's also kind of a bounce in Blades in the Dark uh, of narrative forward abilities and mechanical forward abilities. Yeah, I've noticed there are a lot of what I think in the Discord we've called permissions-based abilities where you can just do a thing, and then there's others where it gives you a bonus to a die or a bonus to effect or that kind of thing. And I think having that balance helps new players a lot. Some new players will gravitate to, I want to be able to do this thing, and so they get that ability. And some players who are not as familiar with the mechanics or with the setting or what they can and can't do already will gravitate to, well, I just might as well get plus one to my die because it sounds safe. So having a variety I've noticed seems helpful there. Yeah, and I've also noticed that having some that give you special permissions also adds definition to the existing action system in a way like Dream Logic is saying that since you can, this is giving permission to attune to the living, that's something that attune wouldn't typically do. Though you could do it, it wouldn't normally be that effective since attune is a ghost field thing. <laughs> And so uh, this is nice, the way that you're able to expand as well as add definition to what's already there with what you're doing here. Yeah, I will say that on that last point of bounce, one thing I personally chose to do actively is to, is to kind of make a playbook that fit my personal sensibilities as far as what I would want to choose in a playbook. And I'm always driven towards those permissions personally. Mm -hmm. So a lot more of the abilities I've included are, are in that line or have a narrative conceit at the forefront, uh, and then offer you mechanical benefits if you go after those. 
Maybe we could talk a little bit about the items you chose. <laughs> yeah. Find dirt, for example. That's the one that everyone mentions, and I do love it. I had written a playbook for a game that that has not come out. I did a lovely playtest of it with my with my playtest group called At Death's Door. And in that, I had a, a diplomat playbook. They had fine dirt, and everyone always <laughs> loved it and always found ways to use it in like every single session. And so I had to put it in this one as well, because what detective worth their salt would not have a little fine dirt? Absolutely. What's interesting about this is that you have the ways to gather more dirt all around that. So it's really doubling down, but you have a trusty pistol as well, which is a kind of very characteristic thing that I wouldn't expect the sleuth to carry, but that's fun. This is actually my uh, personal favorite item. Yeah, it's a setup, right? Yeah, one thing you'll notice <laughs> in... in... <laughs> <laughs> One thing you'll notice in the Blades book, as opposed to the character sheets, is there the explainers sometimes point out things that you wouldn't notice unless you actually like read carefully through each of the chapters uh, of the of the playbooks. And this is kind of my little tidbit for the person who's paying attention and doing their homework: is if you're looking at this and not the character sheet that I've also provided recently, um, you'll notice that in the hands of some anyone other than you this pistol actually has a flaw. Only you know the way to kind of get around that flaw. You Only you know that this pistol has like an itchy trigger, you know, <laughs> perhaps, or that the safety actually doesn't work or something like that. Yeah, so you can set them up and be like, yeah, so if you don't believe me, try this. And then, <laughs> oops, they've shot the Yeah, or... oh, it backfired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of a thing. Yeah, so, so that's why this is probably one of my favorite items. I like items that let you be clever, and that's kind of what this playbook is about. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, with the gear, it's really just about hitting the iconic elements of a character, especially in standard blades, where you have so much gear <laughs> that you can select from on every score. The, the playbook gear is really just about trying to hit the tropes. Yeah, it makes sense. Very good, very cool. In designing this playbook, you know, it really helped that I had playtested some of these abilities beforehand. And even those ones, whenever I initially released this playbook, some people had feedback that was really helpful to me and allowed me to either clarify certain abilities or to tweak them such that they weren't as abusable. Though I will say abilities that can be abused are not my main concern whenever I'm, I'm, I'm balancing, like that it is a concern, but I don't really worry too much about people going overboard or about one ability being quote unquote more powerful than other since blades in the dark and pbta these are not systems where that's as big of an issue as in say a DD or something but play testing having your abilities looked at having the playbook itself like proofread by people to make sure you're hitting on what you're trying to do it is really important but the most important thing is just that you you do it like you just make an effort because what I've always found with my playbooks is they undergo a lot of changes, but that first outline that I do is usually pretty much the shape that they'll be in at the end. It's just, it's just the details that will change. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You got to get something on paper first yeah. to, to try out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was interested to know about the guile ability actually, since uh, we're talking about you play testing. You had mentioned that you had tested this one. I was wondering how that worked out with the action role being also the gather info, right? Like you just kind of yeah. stacking results with this one, right? 
Yeah, this one can add a little bit of complexity to the game, potentially. Well, I really like this move, and I've seen it in action. I find that when there is an issue, it usually becomes into effect the, the problem with, like, gather information in general, where it's like, do I, when do I ask the question? And while the rules are pretty clear as far as, like, you should ask the question before you roll, in practice, I don't know if you've had this experience as well. As a GM in Blades and Dark Games, I almost always just let my players ask the question after they roll. And I just let them ask whatever they want. With this ability, the procedure could be a potential problem, but I've never actually found it to get in the way of actual play. And so I didn't worry too much about that. Mm -hmm. There is some you know, guidance later on about what to do in this move. It says uh, the ability lets you read an opponent on the fly, or gather info with unorthodox methods. The answers provided must be relevant to the action employed, and the acting player must put the question to the GM before rolling the dice. But the knowledge received is certain to inform any follow-up actions by you or your team. So it does offer you uh, an order of operations, but honestly, what I wanted to capture here was just, if you've ever seen the Sherlock Holmes with Downey Jr., you know what I'm talking about whenever you read this move where he imagines the action happening in his head and then he perform executes the attack and then he kind of gathers information while doing so. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I wanted to capture with this where you could have a, a really clever fighter who uh, acts first but kind of uses that in the information they gather in acting to, to hone their attack. Ah, very interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is also meant to be a, an ability that is desirable as a cross playbook acquisition. Mm -hmm. You could really see like a hunter making use of this ability, in my opinion. Sure. This would be a great time saver for just about any playbook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, like if you are using in a different playbook and you want to get some tidbit of this one, of the sleuth, like choosing that one means that every time you make an action, you have a little bit of the sleuth in you, right? You're, you're, right. you're asking questions constantly. That was kind of the goal there, though it does bring up like one thing I almost, I forgot about. Putting one or two abilities that are like really, maybe are, are just okay for the, for the current playbook, but hit the themes, but are like really desirable for another playbook, for like cross playbook play. That's actually something I try to do, to kind of invite, people from other play people with other playbooks to kind of dabble in the sleuth or what 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 it may, whatever it may be ah would mimicry be a good example of this uh when you push yourself you may spend an additional point of stress in order to copy the technique of an enemy <laughs> yes or activate the special ability of an ally that's pretty clear right uh it wants you to dabble in other playbooks and and yeah um this one is about copying your friends <laughs> and your enemies mm -hmm. Are you a fan of Final Fantasy, like the Blue Mage and like all that? Oh, yeah. A big Go-Go fan. Yeah, Go-Go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit of blue magic, to be sure. I don't know if I had that in mind whenever I designed it. But I, I like uh, the idea of abilities that play on other, other people's strengths. Funny enough, because that's what this move is about, this is probably the one that went through the most revision as far as, uh, as, far as the text and, and honing it as far as playtesting, simply because one of the principles I don't want to step on with an ability is like um, stealing someone else's thunder. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense.
yeah, that's why there's some directions along with this ability that's like, if you're going to use this, try and make the fact that you're using it be because the other person is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> um that you that you just like need to to bogart their stuff yeah it's it's a style style biter in a way but it's <laughs> it can be a nice thing it can be an homage to someone's grid style yeah or if you're stealing from a villain you know just disregard that and <laughs> feel free to yeah. to show them up at their own game right i love the prompt how do you imitate their movements or mannerisms so that you get more context when mm -hmm. you do this I would really love to hear actually uh, eventually people's uh, stories about using these various abilities because you know there's only so much playtesting you can do and one thing I've I've really wanted to see with mimicry that I haven't gotten a chance to is is someone you know copying the big villain to to kind of like do their thing or or like inputting the code you know the 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 uh, special key code uh, that they saw <laughs> someone do from the corner of their eye once or what have you like. That kind of stuff could potentially happen with mimicry as well as like using other player special abilities. So moving on to hacking in general in Blaze, there are a lot of different mechanics to pull from to make your own playbook or content. For example, you targeted Vice with your Driven ability. There are a lot of different places where you can mess with how your playbook interacts with these mechanics to make something that's your own. Yeah, I think it's important to consider like what is our game that we're hacking? Are we are we trying to create a game that's still fundamentally blades in the dark? Or are we trying to create something else? Because if you're doing the 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 former, you want to have homages to that game, to blades, and you want to kind of like re reproduce what it's doing to some degree, even just as a like a design aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're doing the latter, if you're if you're creating something new, you still want to understand all those things. You still want to understand what uh, the the formula for a Blades in the Dark playbook is, but then you want to kind of break that break those rules in intentional ways. Yeah, I'm curious if either of you have experience with that for your own games. Yeah, it's certainly a thing. Yeah, do you want to briefly talk about your games? Like, tell me about your games really quickly, and and what what where do they lie on that path? Like, are you trying to break? some of the conceits or are you kind of trying to to use them but kind of make them yours i would defer unless your game is fairly complete uh, yeah well mine's mostly complete originally i think a lot of people start looking at blades and saying i can just reflavor a couple things and keep everything more or less the same to keep my game similar and i'll be done and that'll be that'll be in my new hack and then as you dig into it you see more and more things that need to change and then it eventually blows into a completely new game so that's where i came from i originally changed like two actions i kept almost all the same rules i kept you know stress and vice and all that and then looked at it more closely and said well for background my game is uh, asphalt and trouble about bikers in a climate apocalypse so i wanted to have bike mechanics instead of say a tune and then especially after some playtest with those people said the bikes are awesome but it's not tied into the mechanics enough and I had to completely pull apart some of the features. I think if you're planning on keeping it still similar and kind of an homage to Blades, or if you're just even trying to make a specific hack or a specific playbook, you can still take some of those abilities, something that really speaks to you. And uh, Just because I've got it on the screen in front of me, you could take Vice and say, if you want to make characters that are fueled by something besides Vice, you can completely change it for this one playbook 
the way that cultists have their own special demon or whoever that they're obsessed with, and still keep it within the vein of Blades as long as you're conscientious about it. Um, disregarding like any kinds of rules changes that your game might have, what do you all think the most difficult or like intensive part of a playbook is to design? Because personally, my favorite is the special ability. I agree. Theirs are just so cool and fun, and they have the most writing attached to them. Yeah, for me, I think, and this might just be because I'm bad at NPCs, uh, it might be the friends and contacts, I ended up pulling them out of the playbook and making them setting-specific, so anyone can pick from them. Yeah. But sitting down and thinking, who would this type of character know? Who might they befriend or have an enemy or what's thematic took more thought and concentration than i expected and that's part of why i ended up pulling it out completely ah that makes sense mm -hmm. i've noticed that as the abilities tie really closely to the xp trigger if you're going to design a strong playbook and i think mm -hmm. that's where the issue comes up that i've seen mm -hmm. where it's like tough to design all the abilities because you got to come up with eight if you want a full playbook and then you've got really just a few like we said that hit certain checklist points for a playbook for example you know special armor yeah okay something to spend stress right. to do fuel something supernatural yeah but then you've got what a ghost ability right. and then you're kind of on your own <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're on your own except for space constraints <laughs> that that is another thing that that's harder har actually really difficult to design for i've definitely had to remove abilities i really liked because i was like this just literally won't fit <laughs> <laughs> I've, that's happened to me too uh even though my actual playbook layout is not finalized I, when i was putting the different playbooks side by side one of them the special abilities just was like a full page and the others were half page that kind of thing yeah. <laughs> i realized i had to cut one that was very wordy wow yeah there's a few in mothlight that are are like three times the size of others and i've somehow made it work <laughs> i don't know <laughs> nice. how. i don't know how but yeah i i think that the other thing about special abilities that make them really important as far as like a design touchstone for a playbook is they're just kind of the first thing a player who may or may not know anything else about the game is going to look at to really sure. get a sense for what their character can do and understand because even if they don't understand what all of the you know what stress means or what harm is by reading in a, a special ability they'll kind of get a sense for those things and they'll also just kind of get a feel for like oh you know i don't understand exactly what the balance of resources is here but i understand that this is helping me get more of that resource or this is giving me permission to do something cool or that that kind of a thing. So that's another reason I think that it's really important to to focus on. I agree. And the names especially. If you're completely unfamiliar with what any of the mm -hmm. text means, but you see uh, you know, backstabber, oh, then God. you're like, Yes, I want to play a backstabber, I want to be cunning and evil. I'll pick backstabber and then later read what it actually <laughs> does. That's actually one of the hardest parts of designing a playbook ability for me is so often I'll, I'll just put whatever first comes to mind for, for the title and it will survive way too long. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> As this really bad title that really probably should be. There's true. a catchy term. Uh, one thing I was going to talk about before when you had mentioned the uh, supernatural elements of the playbook was my experience when designing for Runners in the Shadows because one of the things that I would task myself with doing was to take the supernatural elements and separate those from the core 
playbooks and then have these special books where you, you can only take one of these. And that kind of tells us your, your magic brand. In that way, I noticed that the design from the beginning began with all the Blades actions. And that guided most of what I was doing because I, I saw Blades did Thief right. stuff so well. Mm-hmm. So obviously the core actions were great, but they could use reflavoring, you know? And so I think that's, that's the way you could take a hack is to reflavor those to your setting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I believe John is on the record as saying like that the playbooks didn't initially have, like there weren't playbooks. <laughs> it was just that it was just abilities and like, just like the resource elements and the special abilities were things that you could just pepper into your character and weren't like attached to any particular yeah playbook. yeah yeah and actions were basically playbooks so that if you wanted to do thiefy stuff you took the, the thief dots you know i think what we settled on or what he settled on was much more flavorful in the end yeah it works better for me like i do appreciate the desire to put more emphasis on the actions like i've i've done that for my hack to some degree I've i've allowed you to have playbooks that have their own actions but it still uses playbooks because I think I think that's just such a iconic thing. Even if part of that for the reason for that is that D and D did it, you know, I think that it's still something that people really like to have to say from the get go, I'm unique. Right. Especially if your game is similar to Blades in that you're all the same, you're all scoundrels having a way to say that you're unique. The way I right. describe Blades to people who've only played D&D is you're all rogues. <laughs> but you have special abilities that make you unique. But you're very specialized rogues. Exactly. <laughs> I hope the sleuth fits into that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> They're maybe the least roguey of the rogues, but... but well, hey. there's a... I think there's like an Inquisitor rogue or something like that mm-hmm. in one of the books. I don't know. It's been all... <laughs> yeah, I think this takes the, uh, those, the brainy parts and kind of expands right. them out, like the spider book. My favorite. Mine as well. Yeah, I love that book. One thing I don't see people doing for playbooks much these days, and, and even I need to like think about this more, that I think is a reason for the success of, of the sleuth so far, is having a piece of mm-hmm. art. Absolutely. The sleuth starts with, a, just like all the Blades playbooks, it starts with an iconic character. That character is, it's, it's an unsplash picture that my partner... Uh, Al Lucart, who is an artistic partner for many of my games, modified to be in the theme of, of the Blade style, the black and white kind of moody theme. And having that, I think, gives it an air of like officiality that I don't see in a lot of other playbooks because they're, you know, most of us are just designing the character sheet. And, and as designers, that's what, that's what we're comfortable with. And even I did that for, have done that for pretty much everything else that I've done as far as playbooks because mm-hmm. I haven't finished the art style for that stuff. But for the sleuth, I immediately had something to, to, to latch onto in that regard. And uh, I think if it didn't have the, the art piece in the beginning, it wouldn't catch as many. Right, that helps it translate. And it's definitely not something that I think us designers uh, <laughs> would, would catch on to, like are, are prone sure. to catch on to right away. Uh, for the most part, because that's not what we're thinking about when we're thinking about making a playbook. Right. When you start designing, eventually you get to the point where you get really excited about all the little fiddly bits, and then you start mm-hmm. losing track of the things that a normal player is going to latch onto, like a picture or uh, 
you know, clever word or something like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, as you get deeper into the book, it's hard. Sometimes it's harder to see the forest for the trees, you know? Yeah. I was gonna say the visual aesthetic is important and I like the strong tie yeah. you have <laughs> here with the blades art. Yeah. And, and Al Lucart did really great on this. So. Thanks. I'll, I'll tell them. Yeah. For Mothlight, um, recently I've, I have paid more attention to the visuals of, of the playbook itself of the character sheet. Um, but eventually, you know, I do want to have just just as there are kind of two versions of this playbook, one that's that's written as if it were in the book and one that's a character sheet. I want there to be that for uh, Mothlight and all my other hacks as well. I can see why it was done now. So if you want to get started and you've got no idea where to start uh, and you've played Blades and you want to say, let me start with something easy, mm. starting with a playbook is mostly a matter of coming up with a handful of special abilities, items, and friends. And there are a lot of places you can pull the ideas for special abilities from. Yeah. If you're lost or something, you look at any other mechanic, vice, load, the actions, healing, and come up with something based around that, especially if you have a good theme idea that you can tie everything to. And really, it comes down to coming up with a theme first, probably. Yeah, I think the strong theme is the thing that ties it all together and directs the rest of your design. That and just like being passionate about it, just having a playbook. And I think a lot of playbooks, custom playbooks start this way. You can see so many in Dungeon World, if you're familiar with that game, that are just like someone just really wanted to play this character. <laughs> and so they did it. So they did it. And I wish actually that there were more playbooks like that for Blades in the Dark, because it's a it's a great game. I actually really want to go back and play the base game again in a new campaign at some point in the future with new context. And uh, I think that there's lots of things that John didn't do or didn't have room to do uh, that could really still fit within like the crime fiction genre. What I'd also say is interesting is that uh, I think you might share this as well, Justin, is your mastery as a GM has increased over time, correct? I'd say so. That's fair. Yeah, like I noticed that first coming from a strong D&D background as well as Shadowrun and other very, I guess we'd call them crunchy, crunchy games, mm -hmm. right? Trad. Sure, trad is another word for that. And those kind of simulation styles as well. It's been difficult to break free of those chains, so to speak, even as a designer. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I'm used to saying plus one is the way to describe a benefit for a thing. And being it freed up to use these other methods of saying, well, your actions can be used new ways, uh, your vice can be used a new way. All of these tools, I think, are really exciting as a designer. Um, I'd say you've, you've, you've shown us a strong way to put those to use. Thank you. Yeah, I think for all of my Forge in the Art games, that's going to be a through line. I, like I said, I really like giving people permission to do cool things. And I actually really hope, as much as I think that if, if you're just starting to hack a playbook or create your own playbooks, it's cool, totally cool, and actually a great place to start to just reflavor an existing playbook. Mm -hmm. It's also cool to create your own playbook and focus on what you want that character to be able to do and just write, like, here's an ability that lets them do it, do something outside the rules, do something completely new and weird. Breathe fire? I don't know. Like, that doesn't exist in the Blades and Dark playbook, right? Why not? It exists in all kinds of other RPGs. Why can't someone breathe fire when they push themselves? Pyromancer playbook? Yeah. For Blades? Yeah, yeah why not? Sure. I'd play that. Don't get caught too much up in, like, whether your ability that gives plus 2D 
uh, as opposed to plus 1d is balanced or mm-hmm. not. In fact, don't even do that. Just just give people cool things that they can do and don't worry about the the stats or the stress mm-hmm. that it takes to do them. Yep, I'd be interested to see that one, one that just gives you special permissions. Yeah. Right. That's entirely special. No, no spending required. You just get like this thing that says when you punch somebody, you also shoot lightning out, or (laughs) (laughs) or you make you make friends. You know, yeah, that that could be nice. Blades is not just a fighty game, (laughs) right? When you punch someone, you make them your friend. No punchbacks. You know, design challenges. That's something we could do for this podcast. Yeah, Uh, they already exist on the Blades Discord which if you're not a member of, you should definitely join if you're interested in, even if you're not a hacker, like I think it's a good place to kind of come and, and see what is going on in the space. There's lots of innovative stuff that's happening on there that I don't see on Twitter. Well, that was awesome. Uh, Justin, where can we find your hack? So you can, you can find the sleuth on uh, moth that dash lands dot itch dot io um you can also go to my twitter profile on at mothlands one word and you can find all the links there to my storefront etc i have a lot of other games on there a few in print even and uh, of course i have mothlight in development and you should you can look for updates there and check out what i've done with the forge and dark formula Thank you all for for having me on and, and being excellent hosts and <laughs> guiding me through this. Yeah, we did our best. Um, also, you can <laughs> find Hacked in the Dark at twitter.com slash hacked in the dark and uh, twitch.tv slash hacked in the dark. That's really important. And uh, we, we need to blow that up. <laughs> and I'm excited to say that we have new shows that have begun on the Twitch channel, and we're pushing out those in segments to our YouTube as well. Uh, we don't have the URL specific for that, but that is linked from our Twitter so that you can find out more details. I have been Jacob, your other host. You can find my game Asphalt and Trouble on jacobalso.itch.io or at jacobalso, one word, on Twitter. Hi, my name is Mark Cleveland. You can find me at markcleveland.itch.io, also twitter.com slash savemejibu5. So thanks for coming on, Justin. Until next time. I hope to be back soon. We'll have all the info in the show notes. Scoundrels, that looks like we all the time we have for today. Until next time, we are Hacked in the Dark. (laughs) 